Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Welcome back to the Sydney Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club. My name is Damian Marucci. I'm here with Dr. Anthony Penner, Plastic Surgery Registrar from the Children's Hospital Westmead. We are talking about the evolution of the surgical technique for breast in a day, direct to implant breast reconstruction, transitioning from dual plane to pre-pectoral implant placement. This is by Drs. Anthony et al. from Chicago, Illinois, and this was published in the June 2019 PRS. So, Anthony, what was this paper about? So the authors, uh, in their introduction, suggest that direct-to-implant breast reconstruction can shorten the reconstructive process, eliminate expansion, and avoid a second operation. But they say that there's little data comparing dual plane and prepectoral implants in this setting, which drove their aim, which was to evaluate their institutions, direct-to-implant reconstructive outcomes, and investigate potential differences between the dual plane and prepectoral cohorts. Um, now, this study was a, a retrospective case series uh, of all women who underwent direct implant with prepectoral and dual plane breast reconstruction between 2014 2018. Now, can I just, can I, uh, just to emphasize something here? So, when you say dual plane, essentially the way most direct implant reconstructions are done now is uh, the pectoralis major muscle is elevated, uh, the implant placed underneath the muscle, most, most uh, surgeons are using some sort of acellular matrix or mesh um, in order to cover the lower lateral pole of the implant. So it's a partial submuscular placement, therefore being a dual plane. Whereas what we're talking about here is a pre-pectoral where the uh, pectoralis major muscle remains undissected and the implant is held in place with ADM, which is normally placed over the top of the muscle. Although there are techniques to do a complete um, encapsulation of the implant in some sort of mesh or acellular matrix. That's, Sorry, that's, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and that's and that's similar similar technique to what the, uh, the the surgeons in this study used. I think it's probably worth just touching yeah. on their technique. There wasn't a lot of detail yeah. uh, behind it, but what they've suggested is for their dual plane that they used a standard technique similar to the placement of a tissue expander. They've said um, they've said that after elevation and inferior relief to the release of the pectoralis, the implant is positioned behind the muscle, and the inferior pole is supported by a sling fashion from acellular matrix. In this case. Allodome, yeah. uh, and the implant is then placed through the dual plane pocket, whereas their pre-pectoral direct implant reconstruction um, was performed with an, what they call an overlay tenting technique, um, where they tailored a perforated 16 by 20 centimeter piece of acellular dermal matrix and sutured it to the chest wall circumferentially around the implant. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, and what did they find? Well, in terms of what uh, they found, so in, I guess I just want to touch that all these patients were, were done by a single plastic surgeon and they yep. had two breast surgeons for the cutout yep. and the statistical analysis was only done for those that had completed one year of follow-up. So in terms of their major outcomes, they found that there was no significant difference amongst the groups uh, in terms of complications. Um, however, there was a trend towards dual plane implants having a slightly higher complication rate of 12% compared to the 2% in the prepectoral group. And with that, a p-value of about 0.07 with the surgeons attributed this to the learning curve of the procedure. In terms of major complications, there were two cases of flat necrosis in the dual plane and only one in the prepectoral. And there were two cases of device exposure and one case of capsular contracture 
in the dual plane with none recorded in the pre-pectoral. Revision re-operation rates were similar uh, at 18 and 19% uh, in the groups. They, they looked at cosmetic outcomes and in, in order to do this, what they did is they had a panel of four physicians had a panel of four physicians um, and they gave them standardised photographs and asked them to uh, make a, a judgement call as to cosmetic outcomes. Uh, while they didn't go into the exact details about what they got them to look at, it was suggested that the pre-pectoral implants had a, a better outcome as per these, uh, these panel, um, but there's no statistical comparison given. I think what's, they also noted that the, uh, there was an absent pectoralis animation in the prepectoral implants compared to the dual plane group. I think it's important that we compare the two groups though when we look at these. Uh, now uh, about 42% of the patients uh, in this the, the cases were dual plane and 57% were prepectoral. The follow-up for the dual plane was significantly longer, 30 months compared to 16 months for the prepectoral. The ages were similar, the demographics generally the people were healthier. Um, and there was no significant oncological difference between the groups. However, there was a trend toward a smaller mastectomy weight uh, in the prepectoral group. In terms of what implants were used, the dual plane groups had anatomical implants inserted 75% of the time. That was compared to only 47% of the time in the prepectoral group, and the, the volumes were comparable. Um, also worth noting that pain and length of stay outcomes were similar. Okay, so what did you get out of this? Um, I think it's important just to touch on what the authors suggested were the conclusions and some of the comments that were made around this paper. Um, so the, the authors suggested that uh, the transition from dual plane to prepectoral eliminates animation and has not resulted in increased complications or degradation of aesthetic results. Um, they suggest that the evolution from dual plane to prepectoral direct implant reconstruction is a natural progression towards the advance in the field of postmastectomy reconstruction to shorten the reconstructive process and amalgamating the advantages of prepectoral aesthetic outcomes. Now, I, I think when looking at those conclusions that they've reached, I think there's a couple of things you can say. I think good things about this study and that, that can be said is that it's a nice case series of two methods and it is useful to demonstrate that prepectoral direct implant can have low complications and a reasonable cosmetic outcome and it may be equivocal to dual plane in certain patients and it can have advantages. Um, I guess there are some problems um, particularly re regarding uh, the claims of safety. I think Dr Jansen wrote a pretty effectively worded uh, discussion paper um, which suggested that there was no effective description of how case selection was undertaken. In the discussion, the authors do mention um, that they uh, typically prefer patients with smaller medium-sized breasts and that reconstructions were similar to the natural size and they mentioned certain absolute contraindications like smoking and poorly controlled comorbidities but they really didn't talk about things like thickness of, of mastectomy flaps um, you know or, or when they would preference one method over another um, additionally, there's no blinding, no randomization. It wasn't that type of study. And therefore, it's difficult to truly compare dual and prepectoral planes. Um, and so there are, there are questions about how effective and, and, and capable this paper is to talk about safety. But regardless, they do provide us some complication data, which I think is is reasonable. Yeah. Um, additionally, it's a shame the follow-up was short. It would have been uh, nice to be able to comment on long-term sequelae like capsular contracture. Um, 
But, and additionally, seeing it was just one surgeon performing these cases, uh, having a description of technique would have also been uh, good. Um, overall, uh, I think what I've taken from this paper, and I think is reasonable to take, is if you look at this as an experience paper, I think it's effective at showing that direct implant prepectoral breast reconstruction inappropriately selected patients has low complication rates in the short term. Uh, the study is not appropriately designed to comment on safety broadly and the follow-up's too short to comment on capture the contracture. But looking at it in that light, I think it's a, a reasonable paper. Yeah, I think this is a very realistic uh, um, picture of uh, a surgeon who's changed the technique from a submuscular to a prepectoral approach and has analysed uh, the data and has found there was no huge increase in complications and possibly even improvement in aesthetic result. Uh, obviously it will take further studies, hopefully prospective studies, preferably randomised, um, that could answer the question, where exactly does prepectoral breast uh, direct-to-implant reconstruction uh, sit uh, and when should we be using it and when should we be remaining underneath the muscle? Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.